0: Hey folks, especially you, Christine and Melissa, and all you other superfans out there of the Federal Chronicles radio show. Jason and I know full well that there was a 60 minutes segment on Jeffrey Epstein's murder, and there was a lot of controversy surrounding their exclusive photos. We don't talk about that during this episode of the podcast. We're saving that for next week. We promise Jason and I will have a segment all planned out for the latest Jeffrey Epstein news and revelations for next week's show. And yeah, those pictures were shocking, weren't they? It's a Federal Chronicles Radio Show's News of the Week for January 11th, 2020. Political nepotism and the incestuous World War III. This time, Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Render-King Fisk, vent about bad interviews and horrible audio products. Revisiting Tom's Diner, corporate debt that will lead to the next financial crisis if we're not careful. The huge payday you get when you're the offspring of corrupt politicians. And how the looming war with Iran really has more to do with sustaining the American petrodollar on the global market. And don't forget that you can get Tony Snipes' Portsmouth Aero Ship Building 2020 calendar by visiting this show page too. Commentary on pop culture and current events through the perspective of film snobs and diesel punks, with topics ranging from true crime to the paranormal. It's the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week for January 11th, 2020. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. There you go. Go. Hey, this is a recording. <laughs> do, 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 do. That's got to that's be one of the funkiest songs. I mean, it's really, it's, it's a song about nothing, but it's a song about everything. What is it? Susan Vega featuring What's-His-Face? What's his uh, face? Tom, I'm not familiar with Tom, that. Artist. Tom's is he, uh, Tom's diner from the 90s. Yeah, Tom's diner.
1: Yeah, let me okay. just think
0: here. So I don't know because the thing is that it was just like as you're trying to like get your equipment to work and put it back together from a wor- life of working and whatever. You know, uh, we do these audio checks, and uh, Jason, you know, Jason's trying to get his earphones to to work and i'm going do 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 so that jay doesn't have to like to hear me say testing testing audio check one two three one two three over and over and over again little little uh little little behind the scenes and i got a new behind the scenes did you get did you get my message this morning or last night or whatever
1: uh,
0: which one? I got a couple. I, okay, I had an epiphany about the podcast last night, and this is exactly oh. what I this is what I read to Jay last night. Um, I think we're going to start the show with what happened last night and the hour and seventeen minutes of audio that I have to throw away now. Okay. All right. So the thing is, is that folks, folks ought to know that we do a podcast. We do the podcast called. And the, if you're listening to the Fenora Chronicles Radio Show, then you already know. This is obvious. I'm not saying anything you don't already know. We have a podcast called The Fedora Chronicles Radio Show. And The Fedora Chronicles Radio Show comes in different flavors. You have the true crime flavor, which is our latest, true crime one-on-one. And then we have The Metaphysical Connection, or as I like to call it, The Fedora Chronicles Presents The Metaphysical Connection, where I do interviews with people about paranormal topics. It's usually just me and an author, or it's Jay or me or somebody else, Doug Palumbo, uh, talking to an author of a book about lost civilizations, ancient aliens, the paranormal, whatever, and we haven't done a book interview in in a while. We also have um, news of the week with Jason Kozina, which is what you're listening to right now. I hope. And so the thing is, I I got this book, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna t- I'm not gonna mention the name of the author. I'm not gonna mention the name of the book. All I can tell you is that I did an hour and a, an hour and seventeen minutes of probably one of the worst interviews that I've ever done last night. And the reason why it was awful is that I could not ask any questions and I could not interject anything because the author of this book just kept talking and talking and talking and just it he, he was just wandering everywhere his thought process was wandering all over the place. It's as if he's rehearsed this a thousand times, and he's, he's, there's no room for spontaneity. Meanwhile, in the background, there's somebody else in the room with him, or somewhere in the house or the apartment, and they're, they're, they're talking on their phone, they're watching TV or listening to the radio, they're, dro- they're dropping silverware, and, it's, and and there's all this background noise, and I and, and I'm thinking to my and I'm thinking to myself, why would I want to punish my listeners by making them listen to this shit? And it and it is it's a it's a shit interview. It's not even an interview. It's not a dialogue. It's me asking three or four questions, and the author of this book going all over the place. Checked his book out on Amazon. He has zero reviews zero now i can say i can say i'm one of the few people who've read this book i've read it cover to cover and i and last night while getting ready for this interview i read the appendixes all over again fishing for um uh interview questions and the thing is, is that we didn't set a specific time or we, we, we kind of like had this vague, we'll, we'll do it Wednesday, sometime Wednesday. What I didn't know, and if, if, if we can play the like the, the, the flashback music, Carol and I had to had to replace some of our appliances, because if you're a homeowner and you move into a brand new house, you have to buy all new appliances, and when you buy all
1: Which the, means when they shit the bed, they tend to do it all at once. They
0: do it all at once. And Carol and I were prepared. We went and we bought all new appliances. And the thing is, is that for us to get this sale price, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention Home Depot's name. I'm I, I'm, I'm going to leave their name out of this, but, right, because but we don't want to get sued or any, we don't want to get in any kind of trouble for, but for okay. us to get this special sweetheart sales deal from Home Depot. You had to bundle all of your appliances all at once. Okay? You had to buy them all at once to get a special deal, and they all had to be delivered on the the same day. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, and we were really excited, and we ordered this, like, I think it was two weeks before um, Thanksgiving. And... Um, a day or two before delivery, we were told it's not able to be delivered because there's something wrong with the dryer. The, the, there's something wrong with the dryer. We have to delay a couple of weeks. Mid December comes along and we have a delivery date. Delivery date up. Oh, there's, there's something wrong with the delivery. We don't have all the pieces. We don't have anybody going to your town that day. We got to. We got to have to cancel and reschedule again. Okay. They rescheduled for the day after Christmas, December 26th. Guess what happened just before December 26th?
1: Other than Christmas, there was a huge freaking snowstorm,
0: right? Well, and I can understand the snowstorm. I can understand the fact that they canceled because there was a snowstorm. I totally understand that. But everything is ready to go, ready to be delivered. So they picked yesterday uh december 8th no not december 8th january 8th 2020. and they delivered everything all at once and when they were unpackaging everything one of the guys who was uh, was unloading looked at the back of the dryer and there's a piece missing in the back of the in the dryer And the piece is it's is that you have if you know anything about home appliances, you have three three power wires or three powers that deliver three wires that deliver power to the appliance. There's there's the there's a black wire, there's the white wire, and then there's the ground and the ground is really, really sort of super important. Like, God forbid, Mm -hmm. anything should happen to your appliance and, and, and you don't want to get electrocuted. Unless it's you're having a really bad day like I was yesterday. And then they said, we have to take the dryer back. Keep in mind that I already pulled out the wash the old washer and dryer that were starting to go. And I put them outside. They bring in all the other appliances. We're waiting for the guy to come in for the install. We only have the washing machine. So Carolyn and I were talking about, well, you know, we let's get some laundry done. Let's just get some. Like we got a brand new washer at least. Let's get some washer. So I go downstairs and I'm ready to drag the, the old dryer back into the house. It's not It's not bad. It's half working. It takes twice as long it to, to dry that it should. I was ready to put the old dryer back in and I look and there's a huge, large, vast, empty space, Jay, where the washer and dryer used to be outside. They they took both the old washer and the old dryer. So now in the middle of winter, (laughs) we only have a washing machine in the basement. (sighs) (laughs) So then I have this author who wanted to do an interview with us today. And he sends me Mm. this. It's a mean it's it's a mean spirited message. He's uh, he's obviously testy. And by the way, I totally blanked that today was, or yesterday was Wednesday.
1: And well, I mean, in your defense, I didn't realize yesterday was Wednesday until like three in the afternoon when my boss said, okay, so tomorrow's Thursday. I went, wait, what? What? <laughs> now, in our defense, the holiday
0: schedule has messed us up. Because when when it's Christ when it's Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, your your biological clock is like, what 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 is this? What day is it? What is it? It feels like a Saturday, but it's Tuesday. That kind of right. right, Yeah. So, and I had a list of questions, and I sent him the list of questions. Getting back to the interview that I did last night, and I'm kind of like I'm in a bad zone, Jay. I'm kind of like I'm not I'm I'm not. I'm, I'm into doing this interview, but there's something about him that's rubbing me the wrong way. Very, very pushy. Um, and so I, I sat down and I, t- I I turned on the equipment, I got everything all fired up. We're doing the call over the skype. There's so much background noise going on because whoever was was there was making all kinds of noise. And on top of that, I can't I can't get any of my questions. We can't have a discussion. We can't have a a conversation when I do a podcast, Jay. And I know that mm-hmm. you and I like to ramble on a lot, and we like to monologue, or whatever it is we, oh, yeah. 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 And you you like to go off on a tangent. Well, for like I was looking yeah. at the clock, seventeen minutes. And I and the thing is, I can't hear him at at all. Hardly the audio is horrible because he probably has like a a crappy desktop um laptop mic and yeah. he, and he's walking around and it's like the the audio is shit
1: yeah like unusable shit it's unusable shit i listen to about like five not even can be composted kind of shit no
0: it's it's toxic shit uh i okay. can't i can't i can't use it for anything and it was like and I really wanted to promote this book because it's like it's it, look, it's it's a good it's a good book on this topic. It's not a fantastic book. It's not a it's not an incredible page turner. It's got some interesting, useful information in it. But the thing is yeah. that he made a statement and I wanted to stop and clarify, it. and it says, wait, well, hold on, wait, I just gotta and he just kept talking. Like he couldn't even and it was like I knew he could hear me. But it, he, just, he just kept, going. And, and there was just one thing that it wasn't clear, and I wanted a clarification on this. And and I had a whole host of questions that I wanted to ask him. And and how do, how does this book, and how does all of these theories tie in to Phil Copen's theory on ancient civilizations? Couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't even get in. And the thing is that it was just like, what's what's the what's the what's the point i'm not going to punish our audience with a horrible podcast and and make them listen to five or six minutes of it before they quit and run the risk of losing subscribers and pissing off our patrons it's not worth it because he because he had the quote courtesy quote unquote to do an a quote interview with me the publisher sent me a free copy of this book and the the publisher didn't hasn't even said to the authors listen here's how you do an interview when this when, and here's what to look for
1: because the well, thing i is, don't think i don't think they realize that they need to to be honest i mean my experience with publishers is very minimal at best but my understanding is if you actually go through the process of getting a publisher in other words you go the traditional route where you submit to an agent the agent works with you you get an editor they edit everything so your book is actually coherent and then it goes to a publisher A lot of times the publisher is just like yeah we're gonna they depending on their confidence in the book they may or may not give you any training in regards to how to promote your book they just kind of leave it up you up to you to do it so I mean I'm not not saying publishers should do that or shouldn't do that because you know it's up to them as long as they're making money good for them you know whatever but I don't think the publisher even it even occurred to them that they would need to teach the schmuck how to, how to, to yeah. do an interview. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, that's not something that people generally learn in life.
0: It's difficult for me to talk about this. Cause the thing is, is that I would like to have this publisher continue to send me, um, right. Authors to interview. But the thing is, this is like, I can't say, I can't, I have to tell her, this is how this went down. And it's an, and it's an uncomfortable situation for me. I do not want to post this interview.
1: Well, I think if you're honest with the publisher and just tell her, look, the, the audio is, is unusable. Well, I'm either going to have to re conduct the interview or, we're going to have to just not. Do the interview this right. time. Um, if you're just upfront and honest with them, a lot of times they're understanding and they'll talk to, well, they may not, may or may not talk to the, again, it depends on the contract right. the guy has with his publisher. Right. So he may have a contract where the publisher is like, yeah, you're on your own for the interviews. Um, although I think in the future, it might be who view to actually remind them, hey, look, we need to have. Good audio with this. So we're we're gonna need to talk for 10 or 15 minutes so I can check the levels. And if the audio is not good, we're gonna have to reschedule. Right. You know, and just be upfront and honest with them. Um, I think a lot of times you're gonna get a lot of people that are pissed off, but the end up the end result is going to be much better because you're setting those parameters from the beginning. You're saying, hey, look, you know, we've got to be able to hear you clearly. You can't You've got to let me talk. You can't just talk over me. Right. You have to be able to hear what I say. So not only do I have to hear you clearly, you have to hear me clearly. Right. You know, and because, again, a lot of people just don't know what goes into being interviewed or conducting an interview. Right. I know more about conducting interviews than I do about being in an interview. Right. You know, well, other than like, you know, I'd like a job. Those kind of interviews. You yes. i done those a lot. So yeah. I kind of got those down. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Just a lot of people don't have experience with it, so.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. the thing is, is like I'm I'm writing a little article, say, uh, you know, in the title of it. So you want to be interviewed on the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Here's what to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's I fully support that. That's that's an yeah. awesome idea. I think the, the we may need to we may need to have something like that. That like anytime you're about to conduct an interview, you send to somebody and someone who's conducted interviews before will probably, if anything if they remark on all doll we'll will be like, Hey, that was, that was a good idea. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but I think, I think the, the, the biggest problem of all is you have an author who is too much in love with his own voice and just can, cannot stand the idea of somebody interrupting them and saying, could you clarify that for a second? What exactly did you mean by that when you said, um, and I'm going to ask follow-up yeah. questions. The, the yeah that's a problem he was really super pushy like i absolutely had to do the interview with him last night mm-hmm. and when i and there was there was a lot of uncomfortable pressure there and i'm kind of like i i don't think i want to do this there was a part of me that said you know what there's something the
1: vibe's not right here right and there's a party that wonders like if someone like joe rogan comes in comes in the contact with that sort of situation as well i'd like to believe joe's Joe's a pretty chill guy i mean it helps that he smokes like seven bones before he conducts an interview but you know you gotta wonder is there there are times when he's he meets someone and they're about to conduct the interview and like in the back of his mind he's going this guy's an asshole right right (laughs) no you gotta wonder about that
0: yeah um so yeah, the thing is, is that that's what we're going to do. We are actually going to have a kind of like a um, a little document, a little article that says here is what you here is what you need to do to get ready for an interview to be on the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show. Yeah. Um. And and here is the thing. And, and there are a couple of ground rules. And if the audio sucks, I'll just fucking plug. I'll just, I'll just pull the plug.
1: Right. Because you have a responsibility as the producer yeah. of the show. you have that responsibility to your audience. Yeah because what good is an interview if they're t- they turn it off 10 minutes into it because they can't hear shit and they never they listen to. And he, I mean
0: here's the thing I have an obli- I don't have an obligation to the author. I'm doing the author a favor by helping him promote the book and i'm getting well, and i'm yeah, getting you don't
1: even have to you don't even have to think of it that way you could just you know when when mentioning it to the author you're like look a bad interview is going to make is going to do the exact opposite of what you want to
0: i promise to do. you that that if if i put this interview on the internet nobody will buy his book yeah nobody nobody is going to say wow that was a great interview i got to read this book
1: right And I think a lot of people don't realize that, just like a lot of people think that if you write a book, you're all set. Well, no, because the truth is, unless you're an author who has name recognition like Stephen King or R.A. Salvatore or, you know, J.K. Rowling, you still have a day job after you've written that book. Right. You've still got bills you've got to pay, so you need a job that's going to help you pay bills. Right. You know uh ellie medesit one of the better sci-fi authors i remember from growing up he had a day job for decades after he started publishing and this is after he had books that were on the new york times bestseller list because you know depends on the contract you have how much of a share you're getting does it go through reprints just because it's a good book doesn't mean people like it exactly you know, um, and bestsellers are not going to keep you in flush with cash for the rest of your life. Yes, I think it's, I think it's funny that on in movies, they always show authors as being incredibly wealthy. Mm. And the truth is, well, not so much, you know, so oh, that just ruined one dream of mine. I thought I was going to make
0: a bestseller and be able to retire and, 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 and live my life as a as a recluse. But no, well, you
1: can still live your life as a recluse. Uh, I mean, let's not that that idea is not exactly thrown out. But OK, I mean, I, I live my life as a recluse sometimes just because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, the and one. It's of the- always fun to have people knock on the door and you rack a shotgun behind it. What do you want? <laughs>
0: <laughs> not that you would ever do that. We're not condoning violence against fucking strangers. Well, maybe we are.
1: Well, just racking a shotgun when you're on the other side of the door has nothing to do with violence. It doesn't mean it's loaded. I do it for the shock value and my own amusement.
0: Yeah, you do. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> try right. it uh, anyway. it absolutely drives me crazy cuz the he, and here here's another thing and another i don't know maybe maybe we're just going to call this episode behind behind the scenes yeah. I, I you know so um i was going to send you one of these until i found out that it was absolute total shit um just as a quick reminder here i am constantly um i'm constantly looking for new equipment to, to do a better version of the podcast okay mm mm-hmm. mhm and the thing is is that we have what we use here is the pv pv ten. It's the letter p, the letter v dash one zero, USB. And like anything else, this is this is a high end piece of equipment that I have here, the p this audio board.
1: And, okay, so it's an audio board. You an, were kind you, of skipping that part.
0: Oh, I forgot to tell you, it's an audio board. The audio, yes. the audio yes. board, the, one of the audio boards here that we use at the Fedora Chronicles radio show, HQ, is the PV, PV10 USB. It's highly recommended. It might be, it might be too much of an audio board for me because there are too many inputs and there's not enough people sitting here with doing the podcast with me i thought i would just get a unit that's just one microphone that you plug into the laptop okay okay, i i for 50 bucks alarm bells should already be going off in your head when i say well they are but i wasn't going to say anything continue right it is this is the behringer euphoria spelt u dash foria um2 and the first thing that you notice when you pick this up is that it is really sort of super light. It's not even heavy enough to be a paperweight.
1: Well, that's not good.
0: Right. And you plug it in after you install the drivers. And you can't hear anything that you're recording. The mic jack is really light. It's there, not that solid junk when you plug it in. It's more like a kajunk. It does It's it's just it's oh I'm being violated oh, um, and so I and I and I tried to record, um, the way I do, uh, with the PV board by having some background music, or noise from YouTube, simulating you talking to me, uh-huh. and couldn't record anything. It it only records just the microphone. Um, and I couldn't, uh-huh. and so the thing is, is that after 48 hours i'm sending it back it's it's an awful i i, I expect better from behringer
1: yeah i i now, expect- behringer, behringer wasn't the site you sent me to when you remember we we're looking at getting that um the portable recording thing. right right that wasn't that wasn't behringer you sent me to initially i think in, i think the second place I went to was Barringer. The first place yeah. just kind of annoyed the hell out of me, and I don't remember who they were.
0: Yeah. Um, but the thing, but it's, um, it's sort of sad because the thing is, is that it got great reviews. But when I looked at the one, the one-star reviews, there was like 20%, <laughs> 20% one-star, and it's like you get a lemon.
1: Well, here's, here's the thing about online reviews that kind of annoys the hell out of me, right? Because You've got people who are doing who buy a product and they get pissed off over something. I've seen one star reviews where they say, This is phenomenal. It's the best thing I've ever bought. And that's the entirety of their review. Right. And it's a one-star review. And you're like, okay, did you not understand how the star system works? You know? Because that would be a five-star review. (laughs) Exactly. But then you see these people who like are you know, it's, it's a one-star review, and they're like, oh, it did this great, it did that great, but I didn't like the color. <laughs> it's the most... So om- it's one star. It's only you know, om- They could do everything fine, but it wasn't pretty enough for you.
0: It didn't match the motif.
1: Right. And the like,
0: theme of my room.
1: Right, well, the- and honestly, you know, if, if you're buying, like, drapes or something, okay, that's important. But if you're buying audio equipment... Eh. Are I are they speakers that you're putting in your living room? You no, know, if it's something for professional recording, who usually don't have options for color. <laughs> it's just, does this shit work and will it fit in my damn rack? That's about as far as the options go. They
0: usually come in two colors, Jay, white or black. It's exactly. Either, it's either black with white text or white with black text. Black text. Occasionally, exactly. so- if you if occasionally if you're lucky and you get a high-end mixing board, there might be colors involved. So to let you know, these are for adjusting the
1: levels, and this is for
0: adjusting the volume.
1: <laughs> if you're lucky, if you're lucky, if you're you know, and, and 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 then you've got these reviews. Like I love these reviews on like books where they start. They try and sound all in- intellectual and shit. Where like. Well, the story didn't grab me in the beginning, but I stuck with it because I spent seven dollars on the book. And, you know, and, and then I, by, you know, by the time I got into the third chapter, I just didn't buy into the relationship. And they're telling you all of these spoilers. Right. About the book. You know, and it's like, OK, you shouldn't spoil the book for people. first right. of all right. if You're writing a review of it. If you didn't like it, you need to be more generic about it, because now you're just being a dick. Exactly.
0: I'm, I'm going to ruin the book for you because,
1: um, because I didn't like it.
0: I'm going to. Well, and here's the other thing that really sort of annoys me. And this is the other end of the spectrum of annoying podcasts, whereas you have a podcast host that needs to impress the guest on how much he got out of the book and how well versed the host is on a specific topic. Like, I need you to know, I need to stretch this 45-minute interview into two and a half, almost three hours, impressing you with my knowledge on this specific topic, as if to say, I know just as much as you do
1: and maybe even more. Right. Now it's one thing if you're doing it for comedic effect, like right. Stephen Colbert does with his Lord of the Rings knowledge, which is absolutely insane. I think he knows more about the Lord of the Rings setting than J.R.R. Tolkien did when he died. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's one thing if it's if it's part of a shtick, yeah, right. But if they're geeking out and fanboying a little too hard, yeah, that's as bad as an author that doesn't want to let the interviewer speak, right. Because you don't need to know what
0: I think about this topic. You don't you don't need to you need to know you need to know just enough. Eric knows enough about ancient aliens to carry on a thoughtful conversation and to steer and to the
1: ask p- the right questions. And ask
0: the right questions. Um you need but the thing is, and you do not want somebody who doesn't know anything about the topic trying to carry on an intelligent conversations with somebody who wrote an in-depth book on a specific topic cuz th- you don't want the host to ask stupid questions that's correct and that's embarrassing yep that's embarrassing and speaking of if speaking of embarrassment we also had some News that we wanted to talk about. And I sent you a whole bunch of links to the point that I I, I, I think I drove you crazy with some of the links that we sent here. And one, oh. one link in particular,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I wanted to, I, I was actually thinking about starting the podcast with this. Because the thing is, is that um, this story developed pretty rapidly. And it all started with an article about Chelsea Clinton. All right. Yep. Um, and the thing is, is that before people jump up and down on me, this isn't this isn't a slam towards Chelsea Clinton. Chelsea Clinton is not the problem. Chelsea Clinton and and this story is a symptom of a greater problem, which I'll get to in a minute. And this is from the Hill. It's a short article. And let's see if this if this the the video starts to play automatically.
1: All right. Okay, I've got I've got, I've got a drink next weekend that says it does. Okay. If the if the audio
0: plays automatically, I will.
2: Chelsea Clinton has received $1 million <laughs> in compensation since 2011 for serving on the board of an internet investment company, according to Barron's. The financial publication Barron's And, and, and here's Sunday the thing: it's locked up. I can't stop it. A board member for the IAC. Oh, awesome. I
0: can't. I can't stop it. So I owe Jay some you Dr Pepper me. and Sailor Jerry. All there right. There you go. All right. There you go. Okay. And as soon as you know, I need
1: to reach out to Dr. Pepper and Sailor Jerry and see if either one of them are interested in uh, sponsoring f- us f- as much as I fucking talk about them. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, and a shout out goes to my coworker, JT, who introduced me to that magical brew, by the way. Good,
0: so. good, good, good job, JT.
1: Yeah, good call.
0: S- slaying recovering alcoholics one beverage at a time. Exactly. This is exactly. from This is from the hill chelsea clinton reaps nine million dollars from corporate board position this is for alexander bolton published this a couple of days ago three days ago as of this recording um january 6th 2020 chelsea clinton there you go with the automatic playing of your videos Chelsea Clinton reaped $9 million in compensation since 2011 for serving on the board of an internet investment company, according to Barron's, the financial publication, instead of Barron's, the home cooking and kitchens publication. Barron's reported Sunday that Clinton has profited handsomely as a board member for the IAC. Interactive Corp, a media and internet investment company that has ownership stake in 150 well-known brands such as Vimeo, Tinder, Angie's List, and Home Advisor. I'm also going okay. to insert here. Hey, let's hold Let's on. break
1: down that list of things for a little bit. We have to add okay, one you know, more.
0: Do you know what Home Advisor does? I sure do. They host what reviews for um, uh, contractors to work on your home. Correct. Okay. Correct. Angie's List does
1: the same damn thing.
0: Right. Home Advisor and Angie's List are, there. I think that they're competitors in some way, shape, or form. And the IAC, Interactive Corp., has uh, a stake in both of those companies. Okay. Also, it does not say here, college humor. Keep that in the back of your head. College humor. Clinton... The only child of former President Bill Clinton and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton has served on IAC's board since 2011 and receives an annual $50,000 retainer and a $2,500,000 worth of restricted... No, no, $250,000. Oh, 200, $250,000. i am sorry, I can't math okay. this morning. Curse you for being human. I know. Now, she... um. With these restricted, this is the thing that drives me crazy about these videos that insists on loading. Uh, it, it drives me freaking crazy because they, they just, they, they like to take over the computer. So I am switching over here to my other device. God damn you.
1: And why is it that websites nowadays need to have, they're like fucking, they're like needy addicts that need their hit all the time. Rate us, let us know how we did. Let us and and let us notify you of every time we publish something. Right. And I'm just I'm just hoping. No, I'm not going to. Ex- I get annoyed with people texting me that I actually care about. I'm not going to want a text message or notification of any kind from a website I visited once in my fucking life. Right. Sorry, let's 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 also that keep it. Let's also keep in mind Sorry. that
0: when you <laughs> load this same web page on your um, on your cell phone browser, the the video automatically plays there as well okay she is reported owning 8.95 million dollars worth of iac stock to security exchanges commissions at the end of december Barron notes that IAC stock has written has risen 89%, 50% and 26% in 2017, 2018, 2019 respectively, a far steeper rise than the broader stock market. Clinton's public profile has proven a valuable commodity. This is the part, this is the part where you should be realizing Eric is going to have a huge finish with this. This is the part where you should be sitting up and saying, Wait, what? What? She earned an annual salary of $600,000 working as a special correspondent for NBC News in 2013 and part of 2014. Clinton was named to the board of Expedia Group in March of 2017, a position that typically earned $250,000 $250,000 in 2015, according to a report at the time by The Guardian. Both IAC and Expedia are controlled by Barry Diller, the business and television mogul who is a friend of Hillary Clinton.
1: Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun,
0: dun, now, why should you give a flying... am trying
1: to clean okay. up my language one, here. one side comment first. Okay. Please, dear God, at some point have Barry Diller be caught doing nasty things with his female subordinates. Because the last name Diller needs that. <laughs> Anthony Wiener needed to be caught sending nudies of himself and dick pics to people.
0: <laughs> well wouldn't it be great if they ran as a as as a candidate? On 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 like like on a ticket. Wiener
1: Diller, <laughs> wouldn't that not be great? Uh, actually, I retract that because that would be a horrible thing for someone to have to go through for my own entertainment.
0: No, it's Besides. not.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> No, it's not. So let's look Now continue straight. on with your broader point. I apologize. So my broader for that point we now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. So anyway, College Humor
0: has ba- has um been financed by IAC. And the thing is is that their their humor is very biased. It, it obviously the the bias is just, just like so many other media companies. All conservatives are bad. All liberals are good. Conservatives are evil, the devil. And liberals are our saviors. That's kind of like the entire gist of it all. And the thing is, is that a college humor had posted a, 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 a couple of things trying to dispel some rumors that... um Chelsea Clinton doesn't tell them what to write. They've had to state over and over and over again on social media, especially back in um, uh, January fifth of two thousand eighteen and August thirty first of two thousand eighteen. They've had. They've tried to. They're trying to drill it inside your head. Hillary Clinton does not tell us. Hillary Clinton does. I mean, Chelsea Clinton does not tell us what to say and then they posted a joke even earlier a couple a couple years earlier the folks over college humor had posted and again this is one of those things where is is that why why are you taking over my internet what why why are you taking over my machine i'm doing a podcast here i'm doing a podcast here college humor posted back in november 8th, 2016. Whoa! Member of IAC board of directors, Chelsea Clinton just came by the office to thank us for making our sketches so biased. And then and then then a reply to their own tweet. Now she's handing out fresh baked cookies, $100 bills, and absentee ballots of dead people from swing states. Hi Chelsea. Hashtag Hi Chelsea. Somebody had boasted, not me. Um, you guys realize that humor is only funny when there's truth in it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so guess who lost their funding yesterday from IAC? Oh, my God. College humor, really? College humor has essentially been shuttered by none other than the, um, their investment company. And this is after they started their own streaming service. Thanks guys. Your work is done. Now you need to fire a hundred employees, which is basically 90, 90% of, of your, um, your staff. Boing, boing, boing posted this. And this is not, this is not the full story, but this is the spin that they're putting on this. Come on now. College humor laid off almost everyone because they trusted Facebook's inflated metrics. This I thought was interesting. I read this first thing this morning. Almost 100 people working for college humor in Los Angeles and New York were let go yesterday, reports Bloomberg. The owner, Barry Dillers IAC, sold the brand to its chief creative officer, Only 5 to 10 people remain employed.
1: 5 to 10 people.
0: Yep. College humor suffered the same fate as Funny or Die, which went through rounds of layoffs in recent years. Why did the media companies, which made good content, fail so spectacular? Because they trusted Facebook, which wooed them and to... to its platform with grossly exaggerated viewer metrics, college humor and funny or die staffed, staffed up to meet the imaginary demand. Then Facebook pulled the plug, rug out from under them. So the thing is, is that if you create content for Facebook, Facebook says, wow, you're doing great. All you need to do is just invest some more money for advertisement because you're getting all of these mad wild clicks. You're getting all of this
1: traffic. See, now, this is the other thing that I wish would be reported. And this is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but you had mentioned that there was only five employees left, right? Right. When they do layoffs and they announce the numbers of layoffs, I kind of wish they would also report how many employees are left in the company. Because when they say things like, they've laid off, you know, 7,000 people amounting for accounting for 10% yeah. of their, you know, their their total employee base. We don't really get a handle on that yeah. mentally. Generally people don't. So it'd be nice if they said they laid off 7,000 people leaving, you know, 63,000 people left in, in the branch. Cuz right. then you're like, uh, that sucks for those 7k, but That's not a huge thing. Yeah. When they say they laid off 150 people leaving five, you go, well, shit, they're closing their damn doors. That's it.
0: (laughs) Adam um, Conover, I think that's how he pronounces his name. Apologize to Adam if it's not right. My former employer, College Humor, did this. In order to beat YouTube, Facebook faked incredible viewership numbers. So CH pivoted to Facebook. So did Funny or Die and many others. The result, a once thriving online comedy industry was decimated. A 40 million fine is laughable, meaning the, the, the fine that was levied towards Facebook for basically lying to investors. Basically, shut. Adam Krover closes this by saying, shut Facebook down and a lot of people were like viewer a uh, Scott Galloway posted the viewership metrics were inflated by 150 to 900%. Whole companies shuttered, shifted their strategy to video. Companies going bankrupt, people losing jobs. Facebook gets away with a point 18 of a percentage of an annual income into a slap in the wrist. This and he points to an article to um uh to the hollywood reporter which is which is a competitor of variety and the thing so the thing is is that but well william it's all it's it's all it's all facebook's fault now this is where i'm going to slip into something that i posted earlier this is not about chelsea clinton per se but the thing is is it for you to pay chelsea clinton's salary you're going to have to cut some other fat somewhere to pay We're for to, to pay what now. Here's the thing, and I'm going to offer this up to all of our listeners to the dozens of listeners that we have out there. I'm I, here's, here's the thing 50 bucks is what I'm offering for your favorite charitable organization. For 50 bucks, I will donate to whatever political campaign you want or whatever charitable organization that you want as so long as you're willing to come onto the podcast and you explain to me what does Chelsea Clinton do that adds so much value to that company that she's worth that kind of money. But here's the caveat, here's the catch. You cannot tell me that her name adds a cachet or a panache or it, you know just being on the board of directors adds a level of prestige what task does she actually perform what does she actually right. do now, at this
1: job it, just to quantify the reason why we don't want to hear that the name is the reason why she's worth so much is because then why the hell isn't like Paris Hilton, who has as much name recognition as Chelsea Clinton, why it doesn't Paris Hilton get those kind of things? I mean, other than the whole lack of intelligence thing, right?
0: Now, I would be saying the same thing if it was Jenna Bush,
1: right? I mean, it's just, it's basically it's a sweetheart deal, right? She's getting this. Let's face it, outrageous salary from one of her mom's friends who happens to be rich. Not just rich though, Jay. Well, yeah, he's rich and he has, he's got, he's a media mogul. So he can afford to, you know, give her a position on the board of the various media companies that the company he owns owns. Right. You know, and then it just annoys the hell out of me because People bitch about the pay discrepancy yes. between a CEO and say the guy mopping the floors, right? And the usual right. line from fiscal conservatives is that the CEO has much more responsibility to the company than the person mopping the floors. Okay, if you're going to go with that line and you're going to believe that's, that's your fiscal belief, then what does Chelsea Clinton add to the company? Does she create enough money for the company to justify that expenditure? What And the thing is, I have to reiterate this, Jay.
0: $50 is on the line here for our listeners. What task does she actually perform? Does
1: she even go to the meetings?
0: Does she even go to the meetings? Yeah. All right. And you could reach us at on Facebook, at Fedora Chronicle. You could reach us on Facebook just by doing a search for Fedora Chronicles. You can drop me an email, ericfiskcgd at gmail.com or fedorachronicle at uh, gmail.com. Come on the podcast and you explain to me what does she actually do besides lending her family's name to the business, to... To earn that money, what does she actually? What task does she actually perform other than lending her name? Nobody's going to come on the podcast and tell us about all the great work that she does, and and how she's the first
1: one to show up and the last one. She has a degree, right? I don't know her degree in. I don't know. Well, I'm assuming. Look it up. I am, Chelsea Clinton degree. Uh, pursuing a master's degree, at, at College of the Oxford University of Oxford, she had studied as a Rhodes Scholar. Blah blah blah. So she's got a bachelor's degree. Uh, da, 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 da. uh she's authored five children's books, co-authored scholarly book for adults on global health policy, uh, as well as opinion pieces. Blah blah blah. Serves on several boards. At least two of them have the name Clinton in them. And look, IAC is listed in there. Yeah. Do-do-do-do. Cause
0: I'm gonna pivot this in another direction because I can actually hear members of our audience screaming. Asking <laughs> asking this very important question. Simultaneously. No. Eric, you hypocrite. Uh, okay. What does Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, and Ivanka Trump actually do? And what have they actually done to earn the positions that they hold at the White House, other than the fact that their dad is the sperm donor?
1: It's a valid question. What do they that actually do? Question. And Hillary and uh, Chelsea Clinton has a BA in history from Stanford. Does Okay. So so uh, so a BA in history
0: helps her perform her task exactly how
1: at IAC well or anywhere else for that matter because she has a history degree she has a bachelor's degree in history she's worked for McKinsey and Company which is a management consulting firm yep um Avenue Capital Group which is an investment firm, New York university doing what we don't know, served on several boards, including, so she's been on the board of directors for a number of things with a degree in history. Now to her credit, and this is something that I'm actually going to admit is anyone can get in to a, to a college, a pre- prestigious college, especially like Stanford because sure. of your last name. You can even graduate with a degree from that college based on your name, but she graduated with highest honors. Okay. So she actually did the fucking work. Okay. So I'm, I, I, I can't, that. I can't take that away from her and nor would I want to No, because, you know, good for her. I mean, cause she could have skated and partied and just, you know, floated on her name through college and she chose to actually do the work. So kudos to her for that. Yeah. That being said, I also want to admit that I know several people who work in the IT industry who have degrees in things like philosophy and right. economics and music. So what the hell did they learn about IT while pursuing those things? They just did. you know. And the truth is that the what your degree is in is not relevant in today's world. Generally right. speaking, they want a degree – they don't say what the degree needs to be in in order for you to qual- qualify for that position. Right. They just want to have a degree, which to me is just further proof that college nowadays isn't really about education anymore, which is a pity to my thinking, because it should be. That's that's what you should get a degree for so that you are recognized as highly educated in whatever field right. it is you're pursuing. right but for the most part when you talk to people and you ask them why do they want someone with a degree for that position the answer you get is that because it shows that they're willing to stick with something and the last time i asked someone that question and they gave me that answer i looked at them face and said even if it took them 7 years to get a 4 year degree yeah cuz you
0: don't know that person's story you don't know that per- you don't know if that person had to take off to earn enough money to college or to take care of relatives. I mean, I had to drop out of co- uh, high school for a couple of years so I can, you know, take care of my, uh, take care of my quote family, as it were,
1: you know, I right. But c- at the, at the same time though, without doing that due diligence, there's the average The reason why seven years is because the average college student nowadays takes seven years to finish a four-year degree. Yeah. According to a number of studies. So is it really, you know, is it really worth that to a company to hire somebody who took 7 years to get a 4-year degree? How much are they actually going to contribute to the bottom line to continue with the theme of this question line of right. questioning, right? Right. Are they actually worth that money that you're going to be paying them because they have a paper that says I are smart? Right. It's not it's not mm-hmm. an
0: it's it's not an unfair question. I mean, you look at look at the concept or or the topic of executive compensation. Explain to me why executives are making millions of dollars doing I mean, who knows what? Well, oh, you right. have hold on. While you have yeah. people who are working on the manufacturing floor putting in 8 10 12 hour days that actually takes the product, puts it together, packages it, and sends it off to wherever it needs to go. And those people, some of those people aren't even making fifteen or twenty dollars an hour. But you look at the executive, and the executive who is making three, three or four let, let me let me see, six or seven figures it doesn't make a hell of a lot of
1: sense. And the thing is, is well, it also creates- And that's, that, that's the disparity, right? That, right. that everyone get, talks about, you know, the lowest paid worker versus the highest paid worker. The highest paid worker is almost universally the CEO. Okay? Right. To me, the CEO's compensation should be tied directly to performance, right? Because everyone else's, that's what they hold right. everyone else's feet to the fire, especially if you're talking like a manufacturing floor. You need to make you know seven widgets an hour in order for you to justify your existence to this company. Right. Well, okay, you need to make the stock improve by at least 7% every year over year for you to justify your existence, Mr. Right. CEO, sir. Right. You know what I mean? And the, the massive disparity between pay scales as you go up the chain, there's got to be justification for that. And a lot nowadays, a lot of CEOs are not only do they get compensation, they get to appoint a number of people to the board. And in some companies, they get to appoint a number of people, the majority of people to the board of directors. That means they're choosing who their bosses are. Yeah. You know? Which is ridiculous. It re- On the very face of it, it that's fucking ridiculous. It honestly,
0: it honestly is. But that's just the way it is. We're, I mean, and 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 we're we're shoveling sand against the in, incoming tide, right? And talking a lot, a lot about this. I mean, there's really not a lot somebody like Eric and Jay can do
1: to talk well, about. Well, by it. bringing by bringing attention to it, we're we're doing something. I mean, you and I are both small government conservatives, right? Yeah. And last time I checked. Well, yeah. So if that's something that's bothering people like us, what about the people who are anti-capitalist to begin with? That's got to be annoying the fuck out of them. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I I think it's, I think it's important to acknowledge that there is just because I'm a small government conservative doesn't mean I think that, you know, big business is the, the savior of the, of, Humanity, because I don't think it is. You know, true power power corrupts and ultimate power corrupts ultimately. That's as true for government as it is in business. Yeah. If you've got a CEO who is in, is on a power trip, that's just as bad for the people in the company as a president who has a mad power trip is to the country. And it's consistency. We've got to be consistent in in our beliefs and apply it across the board. Just like you were saying earlier with you know why the hell do so many are there so many Trump people in positions within the government? What do they contribute and what sort of expertise do they hold that they should be holding those positions? Right? Like Chelsea Clinton, what expertise does she hold that she is on the she is on the board of directors for a number of places does she really contribute enough to those companies to make her position and salary worthwhile? Or is it for political expediency?
0: It's di- it's, and, it's, and it's difficult for somebody like us who have a podcast, and we, we're supposed to be talking about the news of the week with all of this. this is This is an exceptionally important topic for us to talk about in the light of with everything else that is going on in 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 the realm of politics whereas we have a lot of uh, we have we have a lot of money going to these high powered thinkers as it were we have a, we, we have a lot of people who are getting paid a lot of dough and business right now is clicking along suddenly you know very well and then mm-hmm. i saw an article about the looming economic crisis that's tied to corporate debt. And why is there so much corporate debt? If you, and where does the debt come from? Where do you think the the corporate, a lot of the corporate debt comes from? I'll give you a hint, we've been talking about it for the past couple of minutes
1: yeah it's because they're paying outrageous salaries to people who are not contributing enough to the bottom line the income of the company to justify it you know like Hillary Clinton or not Hillary Chelsea like Chelsea Clinton if she's not bringing in enough money if her decisions are not contributing enough to the bottom line to justify the money she's making that two hundred fifty thousand dollar a year in stock and the fifty thousand dollar retainer that she gets from IAC. Yeah. If she's not doing at least three hundred thousand dollars a year worth of work to bring into that organization, she why is she still in that position? It may sound cold hearted, but hey, no, it's hey, it, it's, it's the it, way it, it
0: is. Here's the thing. This is this is this is the reality of it all this this is the reality of what's going on here whereas you have corporations who claim to be recording record profits and yet if if there's big debt then how could they possibly be actually having profit i'm just going to read you a couple of articles on this topic to get you to get your take on, on how serious this is cnbc World Bank warns of global debt crisis following the latest increase of borrowing since 19 since the 1970s. The Guardian World Bank warns of a global debt crisis amid borrowing buildup from Forbes. This is from 43 minutes ago. I haven't had a chance to read this or vet it. But from Forbes World Bank forecasts weakest global economy growth since the financial crisis. Fortune. A decade after the financial crisis, corporate finance must contend with these new, uh, this new ticking debt time bomb. Leverage loan risks are growing. Regulators warn. That's from Quartz. Take it's from Quartz. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, from the Guardian. Debt will kill the global economy, but it seems nobody cares.
1: And see, now this is the thing, right? This is the global economy. Yes. Global. So this isn't something that's Trump's fault. This isn't something that's Barack Obama's fault. This isn't something that you can blame on a politician. No. Right? So who's at fault for this? Is it the CEOs? Is it the greedy CEOs? Or is it the business, the bankers that are out there just freely lending the money because they don't really know how to compute you know, a simple income versus debt ratio. You know, if your outcome succeeds exceeds your income for a certain amount of time, you're no longer solvent at that stage. You're now a credit risk. Because you can't operate at a deficit indefinitely. No one can. Yeah. Right. So is that what is that who's the fault? Is it the CEOs doing poor performance? Is it this wage gap that we're talking about? I would say it's probably some sort of more complex combination of all of those factors because that's usually how it goes
0: because we also have other ticking time bombs going on here that are all going to contribute to setting off the trigger the stock market does not like uncertainty and there's not nothing says uncertainty like a looming war Unless, unless, unless you have stocks in companies like Raytheon. And the CEOs of Raytheon, and I, and I mean, I hate to say this. I hate to bring this up. I don't want to be a, a, a cold, wet blanket. But the executives at Raytheon are some of the biggest contributors to Elizabeth Warren's campaign. Now, and you'll notice it's somebody like Elizabeth Warren, who should know better is was pushing for action to be taken against iran until trump said yeah you're right they just bombed one of our embassies we should go and do something about that and he blew up this general soleimani i believe his name is
1: yep soleimani.
0: so a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago we're like we got to do something about iran we got to do something about iran and now but all now of a sudden, nothing's
1: been done. It's like I can't believe you did something
0: about Iran. He's
1: a he's a monster.
0: He's a monster. He's gonna he's no and he and I'm gonna play a clip. I don't know if I if I can find this in time. Other podcasters have has brought this up. I don't know what what do you got for time? I'm just or should I just insert it later?
1: Yeah, insert it later.
0: All right. So the thing is, is that General Wesley Clark, back in 2004 did a talk for Democracy Now. And this is talking about, like, the lead-up to the uh, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And the thing is, is that back in 2003-2004, he laid out a case about, in the Pentagon, they had, they, the deep state, as scary and conspiratorial as it sounds, have a plan... On how to take over the Middle East, and he he reads off a list of the companies that we're going to go after and get and and overthrow, leading up to Iran, so we can take control of the Middle Easterns oil with the help of Saudi Arabia. We're go you know, and he had said we're going to go after um, Iraq, Afghanistan, Somali, Somalia, Somalia. Syria Libya and then finally Iran I might have the order off I may have juxtaposed certain countries but the thing right. is is that the entire plan was to circle around Iran and then finally knock off Iran
2: in, another, in a in a regime change war he said i guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists but we've got a good military and we can take down governments and um, he said I guess if if the only tool you have is a hammer every problem has to look like a nail so I came back to see him a few weeks later and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan I said are we still going to war with Iraq and he said oh it's worse than that he said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, I meaning the Secretary of Defense's Office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq, and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. I said, is it classified? He said, yes, sir. I said I said well don't show it to me and I saw him a year or so ago and I said you remember that he said sorry I didn't show you that memo I didn't show it to you Uh, I'm sorry
1: what did you say his name was
2: (laughs) I'm not gonna give you his name
1: so go through the countries again
2: well starting with Iraq then Syria and Lebanon then libya then somalia and sudan and then back to iran
1: and the thing is is how do you justify that
0: well because because well don't you know iran is developing nuclear weapons and they promised that they're going to they're they're going to target israel the minute they have a working nuclear weapon of course they're okay and there's also there's also a clip of chelsea uh, not chelsea clinton i got chelsea clinton on the brain <laughs> i need I, I need some mind drain now hillary clinton is now quoted for saying people have gone back to 12 years ago when she said that we will absolutely go after iran if they attack israel we will and she says that i mean without hesitation or reservation we will we'll, we'll go after Iran if they attack our ally,
2: Israel. In the next 10 years, during which they might foolishly consider launching an attack on Israel, we would be able to totally obliterate them. And I want the Iranians to know that if I'm the president, we will attack Iran. And I want them to understand that because it does mean that they have to look very carefully uh, at uh, their society because whatever stage of development they might be in their nuclear weapons program in the next 10 years, during which they might foolishly consider launching an attack on Israel, we would be able to totally obliterate them.
0: And yesterday, people were posting the hashtag, hashtag, I voted for Hillary tag. But people were bragging about how proud they were of voting for Hillary Clinton a former Secretary of State. The former Secretary of State who, under Barack Obama, took part in more than 200 drone strikes during his administration. And by the way, Boone, people freak out and say, wait a minute, 200 drone strikes? He could not have done 200. No, no. He actually did. It actually oh, yeah. Snopes has actually said, yeah, he actually did that. They actually confirmed they actually did that.
1: They yeah, actually it's or- what happens when the news is actually uh, supportive of the president and what they selectively report? Um, and I say that knowing full well that there are news media out there that are full supporters of Trump as well. But the truth of the matter remains is that there's a lot of selective reporting that goes on. And you know everything that Trump does in regards to military is get being reported, whereas not everything that Barack Obama did was reported. Barack Obama, I remember during his uh, his campaign for president, was actually very hawkish in a lot of the things he said. So it doesn't surprise me that he he was responsible for 200 drone strikes.
0: You can't get around that, though. No. You, you can't get around the fact that um, from the beginning of Obama's administration to the end of his his administration, we were involved in how many more countries? Four, five, six, seven? We're involved in, like, how many more countries did we go and bomb under Obama? And the thing is, is and, and people are going to make excuses for him. And here's my excuse for him. And this is this is my excuse for everybody who's been in office since November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. You're the president of the United States. You're not really in charge. Okay, you're just keeping the seat warm in the Oval Office. Large corporations in in our government have a plan, as it were. They have a plan on how they're going to take over the rest of the world. And they're not doing a really good job at it either cuz it's 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 a little scatterbrained. It's you know and and there's a lot of a lot of confusion, a lot of mix-ups happening along the way. The plan for the deep state is nothing more than controlling the flow of oil and how it's sold on the global market. That's all it is. Yeah. Okay? All all it is is to make sure that the um, that the american economy is propped up by selling oil on the global market using american dollars hence the phrase fiat currency petrodollar and it's and, and and it's and it's and it seems crazy it sounds conspiratorial but when you look at when you look at countries like iran or iraq like iraq about 20 some odd years ago they said you know what no no we're we're not going to sell oil on the global market with a with american dollars we're going to we're going to be using either the russian ruble or the european union's euro all of a sudden they have weapons of mass destruction convenient and if, and, and the thing is it, it was like we have this we have this argument we have this conversation about I, 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 Iraq having weapons of mass destruction how and, and there, I mean there was a there's a new story about how the Russians had built chemical weapons factories that were abandoned in Iraq and like oh this is a big huge problem after the fall of the Soviet Union all the satellite countries had all of these uh, weapon manufacturing plants and stockpiles of biological and chemical warfares. And God help us, where where are all the nukes that they had? The reason reason why George Bush could say so convincingly, without even laughing or smirking, saying, we know that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, we know this, because we sold them, yeah. We sold we sold them, you know, parts and labor and the materials under the oil for food program that was run by Kofi Annan's son in the late 1990s. We know that they had We know that they had this. My Honda dealer and my Ford dealer know. They know that we have a Ford Flex and a Honda Civic driveway.
1: Do you know how they know that? Because they sold them. Bought them. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Of course. And that was that was something that drove me nuts. Is that during that everyone's saying you know Bush lied, and you no know, he didn't lie. We know he had it. There was seven other countries who knew they had that stuff because all those countries provided that stuff to them. The question wasn't whether they had it. The question is what happened to it. And we still don't have an answer to that.
0: Well, yes, we do.
1: Do we? Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere.
2: (laughs) Nope, no weapons over there.
0: From the Washington Examiner, April 10th, 2017, question was asked, are Syria's chemical weapons, Iraq's missing WMD? Because one of the things that Colin Powell had said is that we had satellite imagery, imagery, uh, imagery of many of Iraq's stockpiles of weapons leaving Iraq and heading towards Syria on the Rebecca Highway. And there is a lot of conjecture going on. Where did where did Syri- where did Syria get its chemical weapons? We have Colin we have Colin Powell, who swears on a stack of Bibles that Iraq once had weapons of mass destruction. We invade Iraq. we 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 found some some chemical factories in Fallujah, hiding behind a furniture factory. In that city or town, we found we we found the tools, we found some of the supplies necessary, but we didn't find any finished product. There were rumors for a while that they found stockpiles of finished product hiding in oil drums, or oil tanks, gas tanks in Fallujah. And 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 why the big deal about Fallujah? Why was there such a big deal about Fallujah? How come Fallujah was such a big, huge, important? strategic military target during the Iraq Iraq war 2 why was fallujah so important and now allegedly cuz even this is this is under contention did syria even use chemical weapons on its own people because there are a lot of people who like who are sort of saying no nah, i don't think so i'm not really sure if whether or not they actually did i don't know if this is I, people are saying that it was staged so that we'd have an excuse to go because remember the red line obama's red line that assyria uses chemical weapons that's a red line we will go to war they use chemical weapons allegedly and obama's like no we, we, it, it's too soon we can't we can't because we're we're already stuck in libya and afghanistan and iraq and we have troops stationed in in Saudi Arabia for reasons, who knows. We're spread a little too thin. We we, we, we can't go to Syria right now. The entire the entire plan of the deep state is to surround Iran and then control Iran's oil, and the, what what is it? 62 billion barrels of oil that are now that that were just found under the ground in Iran. It's it's some huge number.
1: Yeah, but wasn't it's not like it's refined oil. That was no, it's just oil in the not ground, actually in barrels. Just oil in the ground. Yeah. oil reserves. So that's yeah. and so
0: so that so that's what that's what that's what it's all about. And to take it full circle, the narrative the narrative about what's going on is being controlled by people like Barry Diller who have controlling stock and controlling interest in NBC News yeah they're control they're trying to control the narrative and here's and here's the thing no nobody get nobody gives a shit about about Donald Trump and what he tried to do in the Ukraine Nobody nobody cares. Nobody cares about what's going on in the Ukraine. Until of course he starts saying, Hey, you know what we gotta do? We, we we need to investigate my rival Joe Biden's son, Hunter. What's what's Hunter doing?
1: Right. Other than, you know, having a position on board of directors for Ukraine. But here
0: here here's an article from Reuters. Dated October 18th, 2019, which is just a few short months. It feels like it was like the last decade, but it was only a few short months ago. What did Hunter Biden do on the board of Ukraine Energy Company? What did Hunter Biden do on the board of the Ukrainian Energy Company, Burisma, to earn that big, huge paycheck? Couldn't have anything to do with the fact that when Hunter Biden was actually working there, his father was still vice president of the United States and had access to Barack Obama. Couldn't have all to anything to do with that at all. Keeping in mind that Hunter Biden is also a bit of a mess. The reason why he was thrown out of the Navy was because of excessive coke use.
1: Yeah.
0: Hunter Biden's um, resume is a bigger mess than mine (laughs) okay all of these things are interconnected and it's very incestuous as well
1: and the entire point right and 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 it goes both ways it's on both parties oh yeah it's the democrats it's the republicans it's the labor party it's the conservative party you know in england it's you know those same parties in canada it's universal and when you stack on top of that the fact that looming global debt i mean we we could be looking at another great depression happening soon it could it it could quite possibly be the greatest
0: depression not just the great depression the greatest depression because the thing is is that what happens when companies collapse like this collapse to the point where they bring down the entire because first it was the banks Before that, there was a tech-com bubble. I don't know if people remember the OPEC oil crisis of the 70s. There was also another infamous stock market crash in the 80s. I think it was like in what, 1986, 87? People tend to forget that. And somehow, somehow, we've always seemed to, quote, bounce back up, quote, unquote. But what happens when all the corporations and the banks collapse meanwhile our country is really spread thin like i have said on other episodes of the podcast i know you i need i know you need to go jay i'll make this quick though yeah we are so busy rebuilding the countries where we've gone to for regime change wars our infrastructure is falling apart case in point take a ride on 495 through massachusetts especially around uh, Littleton, Lowell. Take a look at the bridges and giant chunks of rusty metal are, are are all coming off the bridges. Right. And it's not just in New England. It's not just in New England. I just say it's just I say I see this every well, day. That's what you see. That's what yeah. I see.
1: Yeah. Well, I work from home. So,
0: well, yeah. yeah. Well, next time my, you... my
1: apartment building's fine.
0: So <laughs> that you know of. But we look at our infrastructure. Our infrastructure is collapsing because we're sending resources overseas to these countries that we've gone in to change their 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 regimes. We don't like their government. We're going to go in there and we're going to we're going to bomb the hell out of them. Yeah. And at what at what point have we been stretched too thin? It's like a rubber band. The economy is like a rubber band. At what point is it old and rotten and cracked? And dried out. That it's going to snap. It's going to snap when people need it the most. With this upcoming crisis. Then what's going to happen? It's not a pretty picture. I, I wish there was more fun things to talk about. But I'm going to make the argument, my closing statement, Your Honor, is that with all these incestuous inside deals and whatnot, and we have clowns and idiots running the government. And their, and their offspring making a ton of money. Nobody's really paying attention. Well, not... There are some people who are paying attention and warning, and they're vilified for it. Find an example, our good friend Tulsi Gabbard, she's being vilified by saying, here's the problem, here's the upcoming crisis. Here are the problems that we're making. Right. Republicans aren't going to save you. The Democrats aren't going to save you. These two, they, so I'm telling you, they're they're yeah. they're the the right wing and the left wing are of the same chicken hawk.
1: They really are, and you know people talk about right hand and left hand not knowing what they're doing. Well, right and left hand in this case don't know what. Not only do they not know what they're doing, but they don't want you to know that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And
0: as of this morning, as of this morning, Thursday january 9th 2020 we have no idea what's going on with with the state of war with iran right now yes during during trump's talk yesterday after they fired off some missiles and allegedly purposefully quote unquote missed trump's like saying okay all right you fired your best shot now i think it's time to come back and negotiate here's some more sanctions we shouldn't do this war thing. <laughs> this war thing is going to be very bad for you. It's going to be very good for us because we make profit off of a war. War, war is our war is our best export. <laughs> you know, nobody exports yeah. war yeah, right? better than the United States. Nobody makes war better than us. Yeah. You know, you sure you want to go through with this? <laughs> So it's all it's 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 very it's very scary. And I think that one of the reasons why it's scary is because our politicians are not really paying attention to what's really going on. There's all this window dressing going on. Trump's a horrible person. Let's impeach him. Meanwhile, the war starts in in, in Iran. Now what are you gonna do? Now you have now you have a president with all these executive war powers, but you just impeached him. And you want him to come to Congress and explain to you what just happened. I don't think so. I think it's a very precarious situation where there's no good guys other than you, me, and our listeners <laughs> and the innocent people who are going to be dragged into this thing without understanding what it's really all about. Right. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show with hosts Jason Cousineau and Eric King Fisk. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website... Fedorchronicles.com That's where you can find our past shows, show notes, and recent articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, FedoraChronicle at Google.com are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme song for this show is Royal Flush by Olive Musique. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is edited and produced by Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of Jason Cousineau, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chin up and your Fedora on.